Before we kick this show off, let's hear a word from our sponsors. So it's been a full season for the Under Pressure Outdoors crew in the Hasmore Outdoor Products Silent Seat. And let me tell you, they're worth every penny. And here are some reasons why. Number one, you can't beat the comfort level. Number two, they don't hold in moisture like rain or sweat. Number three, they completely fold out of the way when you stand up, giving you a full range of motion in your climber. And number four, they cut down on your setup and breakdown times dramatically. Don't just take our word for it. Use offer code UPO15 and get 15% off your silent seat and many other U.S.-made accessories for your climber today. You can find Hasmore Outdoor Products on Facebook and hasmore.net. That's H-A-Z-M-O-R-E dot net. And in the link in this podcast description. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. Okay. Is that literally a video? So he's already on the watch list. Let's go free some golf balls. Freeze some golf balls. Or rubber balls, right? Yeah. Is that yeah, how to make it or just freezing stuff with it? Oh, that's not one. We don't usually sit around make, contemplating, yeah. you know, <laughs> napalm and it's more well, liquid nitrogen. Considering the circumstances, well we got we got I'm sure it's small up. small amounts too. <clears throat> we got caught up in the conversation because Florida's about to well, they've already passed the law. But it's going to go into effect on the 1st of July. We are actually the 26th state, so that makes it more than half the United States now, where you can conceal carry without a permit. And I do believe, Jordan, look this up. See if Alabama is in that. I know Georgia is. I know Tennessee is. Kentucky is. wonder how much of the southeast is wrapped up in that permitless carry now. But there's quite a few. And I want to think that... Mm, Alaska or Maine was one of the first ones, which, I mean, Alaska makes a lot of sense. Don't know. I have no <clears> idea. <throat> I couldn't tell you either, but it's been... Actually, a- no. I think the first one... It says there's 13 constitutional carry states in the U.S. I think the first one was Vermont. It's, it's not accurate. That's an old article, probably. It's, no, uh, I think... Uh, literally, but I mean, when I say Vermont, I think you have to go back to like... <laughs> 1783 or something well i know uh, like it's in their it's in their state constitution one of those was the first ones to make to add hunting as a right to their oh way back in the yeah way back in the beginning of time alabama is okay so So pretty much florida georgia alabama mississippi tennessee kentucky indiana ohio west virginia uh texas you don't need to name them all off (laughs) but i you know shockingly not california no way. <laughs> or New York. Yeah, there's some states you'll probably never see. Illinois. I, I, I hate to say it, but Virginia is probably one of them. You won't you won't see that nope. pop up. Well, there. that's solely because the capital is there. The capital's in Maryland, but it's well, close it's, by. It's yes. right there, yeah. yeah. But, so, I'm excited. I was excited when they passed it. A while ago. I hate the fact that they passed stuff like this and we have to wait. We waited three months now to have this 
law go into effect on the 1st of July? Where some of that stuff would be effective immediately. Right, yeah. Well, you know, and I don't know because I haven't actually sat and read it. When they write a law saying, okay, you now can carry a concealed weapon without the state telling you that you have permission to. Right, because I think most of we kind of had this conversation already that, you know, shall not be infringed. I think for a lot of us, like that's not that hard to understand. Um. So since to me, shall not be be infringed means there shouldn't even be rules governing what I can carry and how I carry it anyway. My question is: is when they wrote the legislation, is it a repeal? of previous legislation that depending on how you look at it infringed on the second amendment or did they write a law that essentially just backs up that which already existed through the second amendment right i know different people have different feelings on it i'm yeah. taking obviously my view of it is that we joked earlier like, howitzer's on up man <laughs> you know, if you're a responsible person a good guy I should have nothing to worry about because you're already a responsible person and a good guy. And if you're not, there's nothing I can do to stop you. Unless you right? also have something <laughs> equal. Huh? Unless you have something equally as strong. Yeah, yeah. Well, that yeah, and and, and we could. I'm sure we. For anybody that's listening, I'm sure we. You know, it's we we here in our group. It's kind of nauseum. The Second Amendment's not for hunting and everything else. It's really to protect us for when things get out of control yep. at an institutional level, the mm-hmm. tyrannical government and. You know, oh, you can't, you can't stop an IBM, whatever, ICBM. <laughs> Shouldn't even come to that, right? But um, my question really was about the law. Like, is it is it a law that says, oh, by the way, you can do this now? Or did they write it to say, by the way, we had a law that said you couldn't do it, so now we're repealing that portion of an old law. Have you read it? Do you know? That's a good question. I do not know that. Yeah. I haven't read that either, <clears throat> but I know, like we also discussed, you can still get a concealed carry permit. I wish Florida's was cheaper. My understanding, it's not super. How much do, do you know offhand? How much it cost? How much? I was going to say it's been so long mine, since I got mine. Yeah, I know. Not to renew it, but the initial eighty bucks, I think, back in the day. But see, I thought it was way more than I was, that. I want to say it was like a hundred and something dollars when I got mine. Like a hundred and hundred fifty bucks uh, when I had mine in Kentucky. It cost me a whopping. Uh, $40. $20 to the county and $20 to the state. Yeah, I don't recall. It's been a while. But then you got to renew it every so many years and everything else. I mean, there, there are a lot of advantages, like we also discussed, to having one because then you bypass the wait period uh, when you, it doesn't meet. Well, do you still have to do a background check? Here? Well, to purchase a weapon, yes. So in yeah, the that, state of. That doesn't change. In but. the state of Kentucky. You don't have to, you still have to fill out a 4473, but you don't have to wait for approval. Once you filled it out and submitted it, you're, you're good to go because they do a background check on you every month hmm. as standard when you have the concealed carry permit. See, I'm not 100% knowledgeable on that. I know like when you go purchase one, you'll fill out your background check and right. um, they of course run through the system and it normally kicks back right away, but uh, the ability to leave with the weapon that same day, you have to have your uh, concealed weapon license. And you have to wait for the check to come back, which sometimes well, yeah. can take all day. <laughs> the total uh, state fee for concealed weapons license is $97. Okay. 
Oh, cool. nope. The tax collector charges an additional 22 for a new license application. It's like 130 bucks. Yeah. 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 Right around there. Yep. And to renew it, it's 45 bucks. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but it's not useless now. Like I think earlier you mentioned that not every state has this. So you, by getting your concealed weapons license, it makes it still makes it easier to keep you keep you from getting in hot water in other states. Well, not to mention with the exception as well, of New York, California, and the rest of the communist ones. Some yeah. of those states that allow for permitless carry also only extend that right to the citizens of that state. Understood. So you would still, even though it's legally allowed, have to have a permit to conceal carry within those states. Yeah. So, and that's a case by case basis. So you never know. I wish we could get some uniformity. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except I fear that the uniformity would then all of a sudden be more restrictive than what we have. More than likely because <clears throat> uniformity would come from the federal government, not state government. Yeah, what The only thing that states have banned together on to create uniformity that I know of, like in our realm of things, is if you get caught poaching in this state and lose your hunting rights, you lose them all over the place. I want to say it's like 49 states, 48 or 49 states. Yeah, but that's not federal. I think that's done. No, it's a coalition between the states. Right. Right. And I, I was thinking professionally, like the, there's a, in the insurance world, there's the National Association of Insurance Commissioners. And that's not a federal organization. It's a, and it's not even a regulatory, it's not a regulatory, regulatory, regulatory body. It's all the different states get together and have a powwow and say, well, we think we'd like to see things illustrated this way or, all states, and they all kind of like, yes, we're going to agree to that, and they all go back. That, to me, is that's, if you think about it, that's like the perfect form of government. People come together. We all agreed to some things, I'm sure, come up by vote, but everybody agrees to just abide by that and then go back to their states and, and make the changes necessary. Right. Well, before we get any further into this, let me introduce everybody I got around the table tonight. So I'm your host, Will Krebs. I got Jordan here with me. I'm here. Let's get it. I've got Jim back from his sabbatical. <laughs> yes, sir. And Briar as well. Good to see you. And we've got Mike Vetter from Better Holsters. Yeah, thanks tonight. for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Yeah. Jim, how is the fishing up there in the panhandle? Spotty. But stuck with it. And man, when it would be, you know, run, 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 24-inch trout. Run, run, and then just nothing. Just hours like, what am I doing wrong? You're throwing everything at them, you know? And then all of a sudden, 24-inch trout, you know? Like, you get your trolling so, motor taken care of? Uh, I now have two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I went through all the... That, turns out it was actually the plug itself. One of the prongs was corroded through mm -hmm. but i didn't discover that until after because all i didn't have a i didn't have a, i didn't have a, a, a um multimeter with me right so i'm like well the light's on there's power to it and i was literally going going through all the connections to see like is there anything loose anywhere and i was like no and then i was like well then it must be the actual gps is fried and i thought i was gonna just try to buy a new gps but that wasn't gonna come in for like a week and I'm like, well, that blows my whole week. So I'll just suck it up and go buy a new trolling motor. After I got the new trolling motor all put together, go to throw it on the front of the boat, unplug the old one, 
go to plug in the new one and I'm like, wait a minute. Some something's amiss. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, that might be the problem. And uh sure enough, then I, I pulled the old plug off the I put a new plug in the boat. And after I did that, put the old trolling motor back in. Beep, beep, beep. Fired up. GPS saw everything was perfect. It was just a bad plug. Well, lucky for you, you got two boats. Yes, now the duck boat's getting a new toy. <laughs> got so a are you power putting, pole and a trolling motor on the duck boat. Are you putting the old trolling motor on the yeah. duck boat or the new trolling motor on the duck boat? No, put the new trolling motor on the on the G3 because it's six foot versus five and a half and when when I get out floating around buoys on that thing, yeah, it's nice to be able to drop that 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 extra, that oh, extra yeah, a yeah, little bit of chop there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't get a, especially if you stand in the back of the boat. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, good deal. I'm glad that worked out. And Briar, you've been replacing floor in his bathroom. Yep, for two weeks. No, just a week. <laughs> <laughs> that was a mess. It's fixed now. So we're here and we're going to talk about, obviously we, you know, by the time you hear this, the coming Saturday would be July 1st. And that's when the new law goes into effect. And if you've been running around, uh, just stuffing your pistol and you're thinking you're going to stuff your pistol in your waistband, that's not a good idea. And that's where, uh, that's where Mike comes in. That's right. how you lose limbs below the waist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the very least drop an awful lot of Ooh, that's now used. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't recommend that. Yeah. That's saying it with a second butthole. <laughs> yep. Would not be pretty. So, Mike, how did Better Holsters get started? Um, It goes back. So, we started in um, uh, 2012. So, we just had our 10-year anniversary. And cool. uh, my wife, Brooke, and I, we've always kind of had an entrepreneurial-type mindset in everything we do. Um, and we, we never sought out wanting or thinking we'd be a holster maker and um i bought a holster for myself just a little cheap one on ebay and when it came in i thought of myself i'm like we could probably do this and brooke helped me with some stuff i actually it had like a little elastic band and a pouch on it and um i had no idea how to use a sewing machine so i stole my uh (laughs) mother-in-law's uh sewing machine i googled how to use a sewing machine and I sewed pockets on like a little elastic straps and uh, sold a little belly band holster on eBay. And um, that's kind of how we got started. So I make a little bit of extra money. And um, that was uh, kind of the start of it. And at the time, I wasn't, I mean, we didn't think we were like holster makers still. And a friend of mine had what's now a competitor of ours holster. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. I like that. And uh, I bought one for myself. And it took, like three months to get in the lead time was awful there was no customer service i tried reaching out to them they would not couldn't get a response and um i got so frustrated that halfway through i was talking to brooke and like we can do this like we can figure out how to do this and make it better and faster and and that's how it started so we just uh, bought some raw materials that we found online and um a bunch of youtube and trial and error and google searching and and that's kind of how it started and it just kept growing from there i kind of have ocd when it comes to the the process so every time i made it i thought it could be better and it's just been an evolution uh, over the years and 10 years later we're 
here we are today. We have, I don't even know, I think we have 60, 62 employees now. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a big, it's a big moving machine right now. And uh, we've got a lot of big stuff coming too. So we're excited for that. I so, remember, I remember making my, making a Kydex holster for the mm-hmm. first time myself. And that consisted of me and my buddy Tyke in his kitchen in on-base housing, heating up Kydex in the oven. Yeah. You, you shape it out, heat uh-huh. it up in the oven, and then we had a, a two-by-six uh, with yoga mat glued to one both sides <laughs> yep. of it. And then both of us stand on each side of it, stand there and drink beer while it cools, talking to each other. That's kind of how it starts. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's funny, too, because so with Brooke and I, very yin and yang, I'm the one that kind of tinkers and plays with uh, the holsters and figures them out and and she's the brains she's the one that keeps the business running um legally um she (laughs) helps us keep it uh keeps it growing um the way a business should um but at the same time she always jokes it would have never taken off without me doing it and then i joke without her i'd be on the side of the road selling holsters for cash next to the guy with the shrimp like because yeah. <laughs> well, i'm just i'm just not uh like it smart i guess and um like that i mean i always been a way to if there's a will there's a way and i'll find out how to do it but um it's just not my forte i guess and right but yeah i was gonna it, it sounds like the answer is no since you said you had to was it borrow or steal a sewing we'll machine say, we'll say borrow um, did it ever, did it ever go back? <laughs> um, I don't know, honestly. I think I actually had to buy another one since then early on because yeah. I think I broke it, but I don't know. It's, <laughs> that was 10 years ago now. So burned it up you, and bought you, a new one. You didn't have any manufacturing experience at that time. What did you had another job? I assume. Yeah, I was, um, at the time I was actually working for a valet company, parking cars. Um, uh, they're based out of Atlanta. I managed their Orlando division of parking lots and, uh, I was trying to play golf professionally and, um, I was good enough to think I had a chance, but in today's world in professional golf, it's it's so challenging. I mean, I could shoot a couple under par, and I you don't even know who I am, and uh, it's just they're so good. And um, I was hoping selling holsters would have me work a little less and play golf a little more. And now I play golf like once a month. So. Yeah, funny <laughs> how that business does that. Yeah. So neither one of you had any real genuine marketing or manufacturing experience. You kind of followed something you thought you could do, started to get good at it, yep. started catching on, and next thing you know, bam, I'm 62 employees, just like that. <laughs> I mean, it happened took, in a week. It took 10, 10 years, <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, no no experience at all. I mean, Brooke's, That's Brooke's parents uh, were entrepreneurs, and um, so she witnessed, witnessed them growing up, um, but my, my side wasn't. Um, but I don't know, I just, I, I had an experience in life where I saw um, some a family member uh, get moved on from a, a job position because he didn't have a college education and uh and it my thought was that it should you should be the one making that decision don't ever have someone else make that decision for you and i thought the only way to do that is to you know run the business yourself and and be the one at the top that can make those decisions and uh and now we kind of have that philosophy of you know we did it from hard work and uh, trial and error and got there so we have a lot of high-level employees that um, are very talented, but they they don't have college experience themselves. They've proven themselves, and we give them the opportunity, and they've really uh, have done well in their positions. Now, granted, some of our like our engineering team, they obviously have schooling because that's stuff I don't even know how to do. So, but it's uh, it's a lot of fun. 
Well, you know, you know, it's funny you mentioned engineers, like because you're getting into materials, mm-hmm. composites, strength, right versus yep. weight, and exactly. Yeah, it's not uh, a lot of math. You come a, come a long way from. So I think garage. I can sew this together. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the best part too. And uh, it and my dad, who's uh, since passed, um, he was one of our first employees that uh, helped us out. And um, he was retired at the time, and uh, and he's like, oh, I'll work and help you out. And couple was one day one day here two days there and then it was you know three or four days and then it was full time and he was our first full-time employee outside of uh brooke and i and um it was great uh i got to spend so much time with him uh then he uh unfortunately had uh cancer and passed but uh some of the uh best memories i have are those final couple years in the garage with him just making holsters and and shooting the shit and uh just having uh having uh, some good times and uh yeah, he he would be very impressed because we were still foam pressing it almost when uh, when he was still still involved. So come yeah, a long way. This is like my sweet. I love hearing a success story, right? And, and I know we're largely hunting and fishing podcast and things like that. But man, having the small business success story, especially the you know, you you didn't start with a million to turn it into two, right? Yeah. <laughs> you start out with a sewing machine. You had to borrow in a YouTube video. Yeah, and, uh, and now, you know. So, but when. Because as a guy that's been self-employed for a while, it's like, at first it's like, well, it's an idea. Maybe I can make it work. And then you go through those dark days where it's mm-hmm. almost like, what am I doing? But maybe if I just, maybe tomorrow I'll be better. You know, I'm sure you had all those too, right? Oh, yeah. There, but, was, a, there was one uh, part early on when we first started our hybrid holsters, which is the um, kind of like our comfort tuck model. It has the leather back and the Kydex front of it. And I didn't know what I was doing and figuring it out. And um, uh I, I can't remember that Brooke comes out into, into the garage and say, like, oh, how many, how many holsters did you, did you finish up? And I'm like, I, I got like one and a half done. She's like, you've been out here eight hours. <laughs> She's like, you made like $2 an hour. We're not going to survive on this. Like we got to figure yeah. out a better way. Um, but that was in the very early stages. And uh, like I said, it's come a long way. We have a full product development team, an engineering team. We have an in-house machine shop. We have um, like seven Haas CNC machines that, um, Wow. create all of our tooling in-house um and uh was there a, was there a point where i mean it's grind 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 huh. was it a gradual thing or was there all of a sudden did you have all no. of a sudden a breakthrough all of a sudden the right mix of products the right amount of marketing and all of a sudden it just seemed like there was a breakthrough year it was it was a little bit of both um it was just a steady climb up um there wasn't any really huge leaps um we we did have we had uh, a decent jump but that was due to outside forces i guess you could say it was during 2020 um mm. during you had you had the covid lockdowns around the country you had the um riots that ran all over the streets and was on the news every night and a lot of people saw the police weren't coming to save them and, and um, ppp loans and uh <laughs> yeah and uh that i mean we saw i think a 90 percent growth that year um wow. and then of course struggling with all the you know uh, issues that covid brought on um supply chain issues we had to um you know get material and stuff and we've been blessed we've always uh really had a um kind of a philosophy of um planning ahead i guess in a sense it's kind of who we all are in a way and uh, we always had enough inventory that if there was an issue we'd be able to try to figure it out and um it got tight during there but you know our team worked around the clock uh and um really got through it and uh, it was a a good experience
right back with a word from our sponsors. As we move through life, it's inevitable that we're going to find ourselves needing trusted advice from legal counsel, from business transactions to real estate, lawsuits to contract matters. We all need advice and assistance from time to time. Attorney Roman Hammis' multi-state law practice focuses on litigation, business law, and real estate. Roman helps individuals and business owners find solutions to their legal problems. If push comes to shove, Roman is an experienced litigator with extensive trial experience and the ability to take it all the way. He's been named Super Lawyer every year from 2016 to present, a distinction given to only 5% of practicing lawyers. Most importantly, Roman is an avid hunter, angler, conservationist, and proud supporter of the UPO Nation. When you need dependable legal counsel, call Roman, 407-680-6050 or 843-324-1727 or email roman at romanvhamis.com That's R-O-M-A-N at R-O-M-A-N V-H-A-M-M-E-S dot com. Offices, Florida and South Carolina. For everybody involved. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah and for anybody that's listening to this, it you start a business, it's not like, I'm starting a business and a month later it'll be okay. Yeah, it's for what first three to five years. You're wondering like you're just trying to buy another tomorrow. So we Brooke and I, um, there is I think it's about got a solid three years. The first three years at, at least, <laughs> we 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 disappeared. Other than family, you know, we always had um we had a tradition that we started um where we do a family dinner once a week and uh, we all meet and my brother and sister and we'll meet at my parents' house before my dad passed and um. And then we do the same thing for Brooke's side of the family as well. So twice a week, once a week, or once each. You know what I'm trying to say. I'll get there eventually. But um, and uh, but other than that, it, nothing. I mean, what was going on in the, in the, the world, um, movies, friends, uh, you name it. We were 7 a.m. to 2 a.m., seven days a week for the first three years, nonstop. And uh, I had a friend of mine who was getting married, and... We had uh, three business day lead time from the very beginning um, that we would uh, come hell or high water. We would we would hit it. Um, now, 2020 was when we first weren't able to do that because it just the growth was so large. We couldn't hire people fast enough and train them fast enough. And that prompted some new developments after that. But um, and uh, but I remember in order for me to go to my friend's wedding that was down in the keys i had to get all the holsters out that i had in time and uh i made holsters for 28 hours straight and i was falling asleep i shouldn't have done this but i'm like falling asleep at the bandsaw basically like i'm like trying to like slap myself and um and brooke was the same way she was doing all the emails and she was shipping everything out and um getting them all packaged up and ready to go and uh like it was you know, 8 a.m. We had to drive down to the Keys and she got like two hours of sleep. I got no sleep and we took off and <laughs> I didn't leave the driveway and I was asleep and I wake up practically like in Miami 
and uh, <laughs> and she's like you got to switch i'm tired and so but um you know those are the things that you you know you cherish looking back and you just think of uh, everyone's like oh you got lucky it's like <laughs> it was, hard work it, yeah, it, yeah it is it is hard work 10 and, years to an overnight success right? yeah so yeah. yep i was gonna ask did you have kids during the time or i did not no and um it i don't I don't, I don't want to say you can't, but it's so, it would be so hard. We have two kids now. I have a seven and a five-year-old and, um, uh, it, it would have been next to impossible because it, it, the business, we, we always joke the business was our first child. Um, yep. it took every bit of energy and then some, uh, cause I never went to sleep. I mean, at least with kids, they go to sleep sometimes. Right. <laughs> I'm glad you say that when I, when I, years ago when I started out in, in the insurance investment business, it was very similar where, you know, at the office at seven o'clock, often still out there at midnight, just, and, and I, and I explained that, you know, that goes on for years mm-hmm. and now it looks easy. Yeah. Right. And and I look back like, man, I don't know if, if I, if somebody told me when I was starting, mm-hmm. like, this is really what it's going to take. I probably would have been like, nah, I'm going to work for a bank. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but then on the backside, you're like, man, it's, thank God I went through that. Yeah. It, I don't know if you feel this way, if there's ever some feeling where sometimes maybe you could have smelled a few more roses along <laughs> the way, but you're so scared while you're going through it yeah. that you just don't dare take your foot off the gas. Yeah, I, I would say one of the catalysts that kind of actually helped us uh, grow was, in, in essence, when my dad got sick, we were working so much that we weren't doing anything except working. And we said, we, we got to, we got to, we can't do this like our whole life. We can't just be behind a, a, a buffing wheel and a heat press for making holsters. Um, that's not a way of living and we got to try to delegate some stuff because everybody in the beginning doesn't want to delegate anything. You want to do it all and you have to do it all. If you don't have the capital to hire anybody and um, every penny that comes in from the holsters went right back out to figuring out how to make better holsters. And, um, uh, but when he got, he got sick, it was a, a, an opportunity that us to wait, kind of wake up call in a sense. And, um, we started delegating. We hired some people to help us out and, uh, it, it took off from there. But what, what a blessing to have a family member who you knew would have your best interest at heart. Cause it was your, it was your wife's father, right? No, it was my dad. Your dad, yeah. right? Like he was not going to let you down. Right. And cause it's so hard to delegate mm-hmm. because chances are when, you know, you delegate and that person doesn't have the same vested interest. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's wonderful. You guys got to spend that time together, but I'll bet he also provided a little bit of a, of a platform for which you could start to test the water. Like I can give this up and it'll get done right. And I don't, I don't have to stand there and watch him do it. Right. And then that allowed you probably to have trust with other people. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll quit monopolizing the (laughs) podcast now, but (laughs) (laughs) thank you. The kids is actually how Mike and I met because our sons, well, does your daughter go to school now? Yeah. She, she'll be starting kindergarten this year. She went to the preschool, but yeah, she'll be in kindergarten. So Rallin and Luke were in the same class and they played on the same baseball team together. Uh, outside of that. So it's funny. I was talking to a friend of mine who lives um, out West and he was like, Hey man, I found this holster company. That's uh, it's like right by your house in Florida somewhere. I was like, yeah, well, who is it? Better holsters. I was like, Oh yeah. I said, yeah, Mike, I know Mike. He's a good guy. Who's Mike? <laughs> like Mike, Mike better. The guy who owns better holsters. Oh, I was like, yeah. but, um, and I'd, I'd heard of you guys well before I ever met you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't put two and two together until uh, my wife told me. Yeah. But I'd heard of Better Holsters several years ago. I didn't know they were in Mount Dora. Mm-hmm. And I'd seen an ad somewhere. But 
I want to get into so you you, you talked about <clears throat> lead times, mm-hmm. and I've bought holsters before that have a six week lead time. Mm-hmm. What what causes that? So with with um, there there's a transition that I think every large holster company does, and we're in the process of it too. Is um, every every holster we make is um, it's 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 handcrafted. Um, right. A lot of people think they're just off the shelf, and they're not. They're made to order. They're handcrafted, and it takes to get to the quality that we expect our holsters. It takes anywhere from two to three months for a new employee to be fully up to speed and trained and skilled enough um, to set them free and uh, start producing holsters that we can ship out. Um, the polishing buffing pot process that we use and, and do is just, um, it's just, it's, it's, it's a craft. I mean, it's very fine um, touching with the buffing wheel and too much pressure, you can burn it and ruin it and stuff like that. So um, just the process takes a long time. Um, we're working on some more automation in some of the cutting process now that will s- skip a lot of the learning curve. They'll still be handcrafted with the kind of the final touches and the buffing portion, but um, it'll help speed up the process and let us handle a lot more volume. So, do you guys do any custom holsters, or is it just straight off what's availability of what's on your website? It, I mean, it's it's custom in a sense of you can choose your holster style, your color options, uh, stuff like that. If you have an RMR cutter, or you have an RMR or something, we can cut to uh, allow for that to be accommodated, um, certain uh, aftermarket sites and things like that. But uh, yeah, that's, that's Well, you know, I guess every every place is, is sort of that same way. It's custom in the sense that you have all these options you can pick from Correct. to make what you, yeah, yeah. couldn't just come out of left field with uh Something like the old thirty-two Colt Navy, right? Uh, with a light uh, rail welded on the bottom of the light. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, to bring to bring a, a new model to market is a, a little extensive. So the uh, we get the actual firearm. The engineer team will kind of reverse engineer in a um, AutoCAD type system, um, draw it up and design it to what would be the final look of it, and then we uh, our machine shop will uh, cut the final tools. Then it goes through some. Uh, kind of quality control after that to make sure it was drawn right, cut right, and um, everything works out. And it might have a couple um, renditions, might have to go back, make some edits and stuff like that. And and then it comes it comes to uh, onto the website from there, and you can choose your options. So I mean, just to add a market, you got the gun cost, and then you have multiple hundred dollars uh, plus to uh, just cut the tool and get it onto the floor. So people are like, oh, I got this, like you said, one one-off gun that they found in their grandpa's chest and it's like i can't make that for you unless you want to like give me a couple thousand dollars for your (laughs) ulcer like because that's what it's going to take and um but once we do uh add the site then it's just it's ongoing so yeah you're making stuff based off popularity and you know Mm -hmm. product availability yep now if you're not i I have a question if you're not comfortable because i don't know some things in that manufacturing process may be proprietary Mm -hmm. so if you're not comfortable what when you say tool like when you're CNCing out this tool, what do you mean by tool? Sure. So this this is you could YouTube uh, how to make a holster, but it's uh, it's so the actual shape of the plastic shell has so you're, to be it's, molded it's, around a solid object. So it, that that tool is your mold. Yes. For, okay. Correct. Sorry. Yeah. Some call it mold. Some tools. I don't All know. Right. Yeah. Just so people understand. When sure. You yeah. Say tool. Yep. And then after it's made, um, Kydex has a weird characteristic on itself and. Um, if you heat it too quickly or let it cool too quickly and stuff like that, um, it can change the definition 
uh, of the shell itself, which would cause it not to fit properly. So there's a lot of steps that we do to make sure that portion's done properly. And then before each holster leaves the facility, it's fit checked with the actual weapon and they okay. dial in the retention so it, uh, it will fit properly. So when you get it, uh, you'll know, know it'll fit right. So yeah. so you're using live firearms, not blue guns. Correct. Yeah, we've, we've hated blue guns from the beginning. I mean, I know John Ring who makes them and uh, they're fantastic for training aids. But the resin has um, a, uh, a shrink rate to it. So they are um, uh, to the... It's in your hand, it's identical, but if you measure it out, I mean, it's thousands of an inch off, and that little bit will make a holster fit too tight or too loose. And um, so we don't use any blue guns for that sake. Fair enough. Yeah. I didn't know that. Are you uh, primarily <coughs> semi-autos? Or are you making revolver ho- revolver holsters? We do have some. Holsters? Re- yeah, we do have a few revolver models. Um, some of the J-Frame, some of the Ruger uh, model J-Frame uh, revolvers, uh, LCR, LCRX, stuff like that. You'll see him in the drop down on the website. Jordan scrolling through there. Yep. Yeah. I'm, uh, Ruger. Ruger. Oh, nope. Clicked on the wrong one. Remington. <laughs> it was right there too. Dad gummit. Do you make one for the Taurus Judge? Oh, quite a few. No, those. Okay, so those are the LCD. If you scroll down, you'll see the. Uh, See, yeah, LCR, all those models oh, yeah. are revolvers. Where that? Oh, uh, LCR, LCR. Oh, it doesn't. So, I guess the question really should have been: I assume most of the orders are coming in on some autos, or are you seeing still a lot of guys carrying revolvers? Um, they've actually made a small comeback recently. I don't know um, the rhyme or reason, but uh, yeah, we've seen we've seen a few uh, more than we have in the past, but. Uh, I, I can pull the data on it, but I don't know. It's, I mean, yeah, 99 whatever percent is semi-autos. So, there's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's yeah. a, a bit of a nuance to carrying a revolver. Like, you, you have to want to carry a revolver. I, and a lot of people will sit here, and I've heard people say it before, well, magazine capacity. I'm like, dude, your 38 special has five rounds, and your 380 has six. <laughs> Like yeah, it's one round different, and it's only because you're carrying one in the chamber plus the five in the magazine. Yeah, yeah, and then the uh, a lot of the gun companies have um, kind of figured out this magical sweet spot lately. I know it's um, the uh, Sig three sixty five, oh the yeah, Glock forty three X and forty eights, and these uh, slim model guns that um, I mean they're so small, but they're they're fitting ten twelve rounds of nine millimeter. In a gun that used to only hold six in your, you know, size wise in your hand, it's just, it's nice to have that extra capacity. I want to say that Smith and Wesson has an eight shot, three fifty seven, a three fifty seven Magnum snub nose revolver. I don't have any experience I'm, I'm with that. One. I'm gonna have to look now. I think the newest Sig, the the X Macro, yeah. holds seventeen rounds. Yeah, I believe. 15, yeah. yeah, I think it's like, jeez, fifteen or seventeen, it's something 15, like that. But it's an insane it's amount for a compact gun or yeah. something. Yeah, sixteen. It's funny we can debate that all day long, but the truth matter if if you really found yourself in a gunfight, your choice of weapon would be minigun. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Got him. But yeah. yeah, more is better. Yeah. So the Smith and Wesson six twenty seven Performance Center. 
Uh, it holds eight rounds, a 357 Magnum <laughs> nice. and a revolver. Dang. It's also... <laughs> and, a, <laughs> and it comes with a free uh, trip to the orthopedist afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> a risk, Fix a your wrist. wrist. Yeah. Oh little tiny little. Oh, my God. God. <laughs> and it's also $1,200. So, But okay. they had that one on sale for $1,209 instead of $1,259. <laughs> but, you know, man, dude, I, you say that. I would rather buy that 357 Magnum revolver and shoot 38 out of it. Bingo. Than buy a, the dedicated 38. No, yeah. no, why not? Yeah, but I, I've shot 357 before. It's not fun. Like your <laughs> wrist and your hand, and it doesn't matter how you grip that revolver, they just all smack. It's like somebody hitting you with a cane in the bottom I, of your hand. I've never shot 357 out of a small frame revolver. Oh, nothing. But I didn't think it was that bad out of the. I wouldn't call it a like a full frame, like a mid sized revolver. I didn't think it was that bad. Mm-hmm. But no, go shoot, go shoot up. 50 AE out of a Desert Eagle. I like I like my forty. <laughs> I don't like my forty five Colt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. From a wheel gun. Yeah. <laughs> that 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 Desert Eagle that'll give you a, a check. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. No, I've got a. Um, I couldn't tell you the model number for the life of me, but I've got a Ruger forty five ACP revolver that I inherited. It's fun to go out ACP? and shoot. No. Huh? Yeah, forty five ACP. In a revolver? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not long Colt. Because the first time I got it, I said that must be Long Colt. I went. And I still got a box of Long Colt in the uh, in the gun safe, right? Because I don't have a Long Colt. Twenty five uh, ACP. I'll yep. look that one up. I don't no know revolver. Yeah, hmm. it's definitely a thing. <clears throat> Nine millimeter. I mean, moon clips. I guess. Yeah. Yep. Definitely a thing. Hmm. I'll show it to you. I I've, I've never seen that. Yeah. ACP literally stands for automatic pistol. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I bet that is a fun little gun. So are you primarily making holsters completely out of Kydex? Now there's one made out of it. It's got a leather backing on it there. And Jim, I do have 45 Colt if you want to part with that ammunition. What? Yes, Long Colt. is the answer. Yeah. yeah, you can have it. So Kydex has been just a popular, it's a, uh, it's a popular uh, material that uh, everyone loves and it holds up really well. Um, uh, it's just, it's just a good fit for it. And, um, our light tucks are our most popular model that we sell. It's our, uh, all Kydex inside the waistband holster. Uh, some people like the leather backing. Um, some will argue that the, uh, leather will have like a better disbursement of pressure points. So it, uh, it's a little more comfortable. Um, I'm not a big guy. So if anything's pokey on me, it pokes and hurts. So, uh, <laughs> that's kind of been the designer on all the holsters. I figure. I live in Florida. I don't wear a lot of clothes year round, you know, jeans and a t-shirt. And uh, the fact is it has to conceal on me and uh, it doesn't have to poke me. So, you know, it goes into our designing and our tools. Like we, you know, bevel the angles of all our tools. So they're all have a a radius to it because any type you have a a sharp angle in plastic is going to poke you. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll test them out when we make them, we'll wear them. And if there's any areas that are poking you, we figure it out. So, just make it more comfortable. It's, I guess, as comfortable as hard plastic can be. <laughs> how, do, how do you address the occasional problem of muffin top? Uh, diet, uh, exercise, Dunlop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the gym. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. So, like, you'll find that what one holster that's super comfortable with somebody else in that same position won't be comfortable on the next person. And, uh, and that was the concept behind almost all of our holsters is 
the ability to make those minute adjustments. Uh, I like carrying my light hook uh, appendix uh, just about the one o'clock position. Um, but my brother, he's a little bigger than me. He carries it on his on three o'clock. Um, and that's, that's his sweet spot for it. So everyone's different and it's, I can, if I lower mine, cause you can adjust the ride height, the height that the gun sits on your belt line on it. So if I lower it quarter inch lower, it digs in and I got to raise it up just a little bit. So that's, what's good about these is it's not just here's a holster. Hope it works for you. It's here's a holster and you have multiple options to find what works for you. So if one position doesn't work, you know, move it around, play with it, and you'll find that angle that just sits right on your body based on your shape. I'm glad you're an outdoor fat guy needs a rifle or a holster might swing by and ask for a personal fitting. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The uh, make this not hurt, please. <laughs> coming from a guy who owns the cheapest of the cheap holsters and mm-hmm. some quality holsters the significant difference in the comfort of carry. And I'm strictly speaking outside the waistband, mm-hmm. not inside the waistband is huge, mm-hmm. huge. Cause I, like I have a, uh, Taurus judge and I bought the $7 cloth holster from Walmart. Did not intend to have that, to carry that holster, that pistol on my hip as mm-hmm. much as stick it inside of an ammo can in the John boat. We're running around in the John boat or whatever mainly to protect the trigger, the trigger area of the handgun when Mm -hmm. it's, you know, stowed. Um, but trying to put that thing and carry it on my hip and it just flops around and drags you down on one side. Yeah. It's, it's garbage. And there's, I mean, so to speak on quality and you talked to what we talked a little bit earlier about open carry versus concealed carry Mm -hmm. in the state of Florida, you can legally open carry when you're, participating in outdoor activities like hunting, fishing, camping. Yeah. And there's a guy on YouTube that runs around and challenges the cops on that guy. He's down here to use this not too long ago. He, cause, yeah, but that guy's running around ca- carrying an AR. Yeah, carrying an AR. sling, and it's kind of like, it's. It, it, we talked about it perfectly within his rights. Oh, for God's sakes, that you're making an awful lot of people yeah. uncomfortable. Because mm-hmm. most people have no clue. They just right. see a guy walking around with an AR. They don't care. They're not paying attention to the tackle box and the fishing rod. I mm, 100% support them, 100% hate them. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't the intended purpose of the law. Yeah. 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 You're right. You 100% agree because if I'm sitting at a restaurant on the porch and I see a guy walking up in the parking lot with a fishing pole and an AR, I'm thinking. Don't know what he needs that fishing pole for. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Years ago, there was a couple fellas that walked in with one guy had an SKS and another guy had an AR, walked into a Starbucks in Texas to demonstrate their mm-hmm. rights to do that. And that was also shortly after I had actually been held up at gunpoint in a Wendy's. And at that point in my life, I was carrying every day, you know, I had a little neurosis at that point, <laughs> you know, and I'm telling you that had I just been sitting in that Starbucks and seen those characters walking into the Starbucks with ARs, I'd have dropped them both right there. They'd have been like, we're the pow done. <laughs> right. Like I've been through this. I know what this looks like and I'm not going through it again. And, you know, it's just, uh, and that's the confusion, Mm -hmm. right? Is um, you, you have the ability to do so, but that ability does come with some responsibility Mm -hmm. and, or you just don't ordinarily see people walking around, you know, um, you know, with 
ARs it's not commonplace. On, on nextlings, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that's changed so much just even in my lifetime. And I remember, so I grew up around here, uh, Mount Dora High School, and uh, was across the street was Roseboro Elementary. And uh, it's now a monastery school, but I went to Roseboro Elementary. And um, there was a red pickup truck in the senior parking lot. And so I was, well, not that I was born in 84, so this is probably, I don't know, 92. 90 90 91 maybe uh at a high school red pickup truck shotgun rifle in his rack in the back of his truck yeah no one cared no now the school will be on lockdown and swat and i'm not a proponent of bringing guns to school i'm just saying like you said they they have they have vilified the gun so much that if you saw one 30 years ago you're you'd be like okay he's probably going hunting or something and but now it's like Everyone freaks out. Right. Well, you know, I, I wonder about that because certainly by purchase, and I believe by the percentage of individuals that own firearms, I know the number of firearms are an all time high because like they don't they don't they don't spoil hmm. unless you treat them bad. Hmm. But I think that the the percentage of households, like the number of guns per capita and the actual ownership in individual households, is all at an all time high. Right. Mm-hmm. That would lead me to believe that firearms in general, are actually more acceptable now than they ever have been in history, except now we have social media and all those other things that the virulent opposition just is better at, you know, crying about it. Yeah, I think I saw uh, an article, and got to believe everything you read on the internet, but it said that, like, uh, you know, we used to joke as kids, we'd ride our bikes until dark, and that's all the way it was, and it was safer back then. But they say t- statistically, like, there's more abductions today than there was in 1970. And But the problem is it's on everybody's device 24-7, so it brings more awareness to it. Um, you mean there's uh, less now than there was then, uh, or more now there's, than there was? There's more now. Unless yeah. the, I'll look it up well, again because I, I read an article. But what you're saying, what I was saying is, yeah, they take that one little event that nobody would have heard of unless they've got the local news or something or watched their nightly news or something back in the day if it was big enough to make it there. But now the smallest stories go viral, and it's it, it makes you think at every turn there's something happening. And I sometimes All wonder about that, too. to have like, one. I'm right. sure. <laughs> yeah. On things like abductions, I am sure that there are more abductions now than there were in 1970. Raw numbers. Mm-hmm. Why? More kids. Yeah, more kids, more population. But my question is, Is are there more abductions per per capita, right? Per 100,000? And I don't know the answer to that. I do think that because of all the moral decays and I think we're, I do, I, I actually believe human beings are built to deal with some form of adversity and, and also we have to have a purpose. We have to have a goal to achieve. Mm-hmm. So when you make it too easy or you, or you rob people of that purpose, you know, even if you, even if you, I very much believe in this too. Like if you are not somebody that works with your hands professionally, you need to go find some things that, you know, whether it's artwork or even, I don't keeping pinfish alive for a week. You know what I mean? You have to have something that occasionally is yeah. not just cerebral. And I think because we've, we've robbed people of it, there's not as many manufacturing jobs. And even our forms of recreation are now more passive than active. You wonder why people are breaking. So I do yeah. wonder if that then in turn leads to more people that get sour between the ears and then do things like hurt kids. I, I don't know. That's yeah, why I'm on the diatribe. But. Mm-hmm. 
So inside the waistband versus outside the waistband. <laughs> yes. Great segue. <laughs> uh, Jordan? Go ahead. I want to hear the answer. I'll say inside the waistband versus outside the waistband. For concealed carry, <clears throat> what are the advantages and, I guess, disadvantages of both? Sure. So um, from concealability, inside the waistband is more concealed, um, especially in Florida. Uh, if I'm carrying outside the waistband, it, uh, it's just it's a larger object on the outside of my pants, so it, it prints more under a light T-shirt. Um, northern states where you got, you know, always wearing a, a jacket or an extra layer or two, then it conceals a lot easier. And, and we notice that too, um, uh, outside the waistband holster sales will increase in colder climate areas. Yeah, that's, and, that's full size season. Yeah. And we hear that a lot too. They got their summer gun and their winter gun. That's right. And, and uh, yeah, um, I've never carried outside the waistband. I've always been inside the waistband uh, person. Um, that's just my personal preference. And, uh, but there, I mean, inside the waistband makes up the majority of our holster sales by far. Um, but there's, there's a market that likes outside the waistband. So I want to, when it comes to your inside the waistband, I've noticed on some of your holsters, you have the holster claw. Mm -hmm. So the, yeah, the, the holster claw, it's an addition you can add to, um, our light tuck and it comes standard on our side tuck holster. But uh, what it is, is for many people were rounded objects and, uh, uh, the gun grip of of the of the gun itself will drift away from your body, and um, I'm wearing one now with a claw, and it just helps conceal better. So what it does, and I can kind of demonstrate a little bit here, but um, explain it. So we're circular circular people. A gun on a holster, the grip wants to leave the body and go away. The claw puts pressure on the holster and twists it back into your body. So what it does is it takes the grip of your gun and pushes it back into your body concealing it tighter against you and makes it more concealable so i mean i wear I have a light t-shirt on it's kind of tight fitting I, I, I didn't even notice until you said something i mean i should have yeah. known yeah i, I would hope and i, I kind of figured i was, I was the same way and like I, was, I had to look and i was like oh yeah i can see it now yeah, yeah. and yeah. I, I carry um a 365x which is the extended uh, grip version of the 365 and um you know nine millimeter 12 10, 10 rounds plus and hide in their t-shirt with the claw it would print really bad for my body size and the position i carry if i didn't have the claw on it the grip would be this way instead yeah. of this yeah. way so you like that pistol i do yeah no he carries it because you know well, you, you <laughs> laying around somebody gotta <laughs> carry it it may as well be me hey yeah. Yeah. some people carry glocks I'm like you like glock and they're like yeah glock i'm like I what was. do you like about glock glock, glock. <laughs> yeah and i'm like okay so you don't you don't really you just carry a glock because you like you like the name got it yeah. But I, I had I had a Glock for a while. I, yeah, I, I carried a Glock all the way up until this came out, and I, I like this one better. For me, it just it fits better in my hand. I shoot better with it. So yeah. I did. My first handgun I ever bought was a Sig. Uh, Love that gun until it got stole out of my truck mm. uh, in the driveway right here. Mm. Um, but uh, I the the had a gun store right outside base when we were living in Kentucky, and I told her I was like, I'm not. Not a big fan of Glock. I don't like the way they feel in my hand. She's like, well, what do I got to do to get you to buy a Glock? She's a big Glock. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? I said, get me a 17 with night sights and a threaded barrel for less than 500 bucks. <laughs> and she's like, deal. I came in like three weeks later. She's like, hey, got your 17 back here. Night sights, threaded barrel, 450. I was like, oh, oh okay. okay, I'll buy it. And I owned it for a while. And I I mean, it, it shot well. Yeah. Uh, but when I was 
given the opportunity to uh, trade that up for a Smith and Wesson MP core. I was like, yeah, no, yeah, I love that Smith and Wesson way, way more comfortable than that Glock. Yeah. And it shoots equally as well. And that's the thing. Get, get one that you're comfortable with one that you want to carry, you know, and find a holster that fits for you and, and do it. Cause the, the biggest thing is if it's at home, it's safe. It doesn't do you any good. Right. Yeah. So. Oh, I'm not, I am not near a big enough man to be carrying that, that core. <laughs> that that's a big like a six and a half yeah. inch barrel on <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, it's a fun gun to shoot. Mm-hmm. And I could get a smaller slide for it and make it a, like a true full size instead of that extended barrel and probably carry that. But <clears throat> I have no desire to. I'd like to get one of those SIGs. I currently have a shield. Mm-hmm. That's a good gun. Uh, that, and I like that gun too. I was going to say, I, I run a shield right now uh, with the Apex trigger in it. Mm-hmm. And That's a good setup, yeah. I love it, man. I The trigger, I, I didn't necessarily like the trigger as much on the shield. That's why I bought the Apex and put the Apex in it. But after that, I love it, man. I, I don't have a single complaint about it. But you were talking about Glock guys earlier, and I think I've, I may have stated this before. I was at a certain outdoor store, and uh, I was just looking. I was looking at 365s, and uh, I told the guy behind the counter, I was like, yeah, man. He said something. I said, look at that 365. He was like, yeah. So I held it, and he was like, you want to look at a Glock, too? And I was like, nah, I'm not really a big fan of Glock. I was like, I just, like Queen said, I, I don't like the way they fit in my hand. And he was like, well, why don't you like Glock? I'm just, I, I don't like the way they fit. He's like, well, SIG is tactical Tupperware. Like, <laughs> so is Glock. I was like, what? I mean, wouldn't Glock technically be like? I mean, if you wanted to take it down to brass tacks, TIG, SIG made steel frame guns, like metal frame guns, way before. And they only got into the, the polymer frame guns well after Glock came yeah. on the scene and gained its popularity. Yeah. In fact, the SIG that I bought was the first polymer frame handgun that SIG made. Yeah. The 2022. And I, I never had a problem with it. Like he was just one of those cool yeah. guys. Yeah. <laughs> I got a side question. Do you uh you make anything for trucks, cars, things like that? Uh not yet. Um we we so we've had this uh, uh kind of a, a growth in learning and keeping up pattern for a long time. And we've been recently in a position where we've uh, invested in a product development team and brought in some very talented people and it is we have a, a whole list of new products that we're going to start working on and come into market and it's just um we've been um, pretty much just playing keep up with the products that we did have and making sure they were made properly and out the door in a good timely manner uh, it didn't leave us a lot of time to work on new products um so we should see a lot of new products coming in the near future and the list is long and stuff for vehicles and securing your weapon and error on there Nice. That's, that's one of those things you got to think about when you're concealed carrying. Unless you are appendix carrying in when you're in sitting in the driver's seat or passenger seat of your mm-hmm. vehicle, the ax your access to your firearm is extremely limited. It is. It's I mean if under your seatbelt in the back, it's, it's next to impossible in a, in right. a quick quick manner. You, you mean you really need to practice and right. Yeah. I, that that's one of the first things I did was I made a holster that fit in my it's not in this truck but in my old truck. Uh, made it out of Kydex and then took the like the ashtray portion out and mm-hmm. used the same screws that <laughs> mounted that and mounted it underneath the dash. Yeah. When I got wrapped up in that Wendy's thing, I could have had a pistol sitting on the hamburger tray and it wouldn't have mattered. Wouldn't when a guy walks up and puts a pistol in your face, There's nothing you can do. It's over. Yeah. I think that one of the things we're talking about is the whole point is to avoid the situation. Yeah. And, you know, just keep your head on a swivel. And I always try to think about, well, 
because I'll have Shortly after that, I had another incident very similar to Popeyes and didn't and, and, and left my pistol in the truck. But you know the the idea is um, it's it's really first and foremost about if you, if you can't avoid it and you're in a situation, hopefully you've got enough time. Then it's proximity. Like the whole idea of getting into a quick draw battle. Yeah, not going to happen in this situation. I, I'm going to lose awareness. that every time. I'm 52. <laughs> I'm fat and slow. Arthritic knees. You know, it's like, no, nah, I got to see you coming. Yeah, you, know, right? win, you win those in the movies and that's about <laughs> yeah. it. But yeah. Yeah. Situational awareness is key. And so many people are just buried in their phones or not paying attention. And there's, I, I saw, I forget where it was in San Francisco or somebody, there was a sur- um, surveillance video of a, a trolley or something. And, uh, um, this guy was on there and packed full of people and he pulls out his gun and he's looking around and he's like, until he's contemplating something and he has it in his hand and he ends up putting it back in his pants and leaving. But he had it out for like 30 seconds and not a single person on this train. They're all texting away, looking at their phones or whatever. He even noticed like had no clue. I mean, he was standing there just like tapping it on his leg, like <laughs> not a single person caught on you can look it up I, I forget the video name but it's just situational awareness is huge you know you gotta keep your eyes up and so many people don't anymore i'm guilty of it i am too Did i am I, too i could tell you the smartphone has saved the lives of so many deer oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is a few ducks too the under pressure outdoors podcast is brought to you in part by hang free with a mission to provide top quality products for the best possible price, Hang Free believes that the saddle hunting experience is worth more than money. They create both tried and true products as well as debut new items to the saddle hunting community, creating a community of saddle hunters that don't have to break the bank to participate in the hobby that they love. Do yourself a favor and join the Hang Free family this hunting season. They truly have everything you need. Don't forget to use offer code UPO10 at checkout for 10% off your order at hangfree.co. Yeah. <laughs> going back into that part of the reason that I, you know, I don't have a firearm around me really isn't supposedly if it is to spare myself if I'm in that situation but truthfully because like I said having been in that situation somebody's got the drop on you like if they're going to target you mm-hmm. and if your head's not on a swivel it's already too late yeah. for you but it is more the idea that um, you're in a situation where all of a sudden Holy cow! I can't believe I'm witnessing this going down. And he, yeah, like that that kid that dropped. Uh, there was a guy shooting up the mall. Oh, and he yeah. tagged him like six out of seven times at yeah. sixty yards or something. Right. He was a rookie. I mean, I was you like, know, he just bench rested that over something. It's like guy. boom. He's like boom. John Wick reborn or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I gotta wonder about the guy that was taking the incoming. Like, how, did he, did he not realize he was being shot? That he didn't see cover himself. You know. I guess he must have been high on meth or something, but. Well, I mean, in those, those situations too is so much adrenaline. You're, I, mean, I, don't I don't know, know. but kudos to the kid that hit him, right? Mm. You know, and that was I thought a great testament to. You know, there's all this t- talk about oh, the average person can't, and I'm like, man, there. If you really want to be proficient, if you're trying to bullseye stuff offhand at 50 yards, that's years of practice. Yeah. Trying to keep in a coffee can, but. 25 yards some basics two hand grip yeah you, you can you can hit a man-sized target most of the time yep so how would you suggest people uh choose the correct holster for them i think it goes on well uh 
your your carry needs for one or and uh and how you're going to carry i mean inside and outside the waistband are just two right out the bat you can probably figure out without having to to really trial and error a lot of holsters um but from there it's personal preference um it's uh it's just one of those things um you kind of just got to figure out and i think everyone jokes they have a box full of holsters and um i think that's the reason i mean we we try to offer every angle that you could possibly think of when it comes to carrying because everybody carries differently we just don't want any of our holsters to ever be in that box full of holsters because of poor craftsmanship or it doesn't fit and uh and that, that happens a lot um we would we occasionally weirdly get uh someone will return a holster that's not ours and they're like i bought it from you guys and that's probably happened i don't know maybe a dozen two dozen times over the course of the company's life which is funny and um but some of them we get back at, we're just we're, we scratch our heads we're like how how are they in business like <laughs> i remember we got one kydex holster back this early on and it was for a uh, xds 3.3 and um the lady emailed us and said my holster's so tight i can't get my gun out of it uh, i want to i want to return it and we're like it doesn't sound like ours we fit check ours with actual weapons it fit when it left here and maybe you don't have an XDS. We can kind of figure that out. And she, I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna send it back. Okay, fine. She sends it back, and it was in holster for an XDS, but it wasn't ours. It wasn't even close to ours. Even looking at it, it's like had another name on the clip of who made it. And um, sure enough, I put an XDS in it, and I got it in there. I couldn't get it out. It was made so poorly and so tight. And uh, I, we had to literally cut the Kydex because it. Tr- grabbed onto that trigger guard so firm i couldn't we just couldn't yank it out it was crazy but and that goes back to like the blue gun thing you can make a holster off a blue gun and it fits on a blue gun it's probably not going to fit when you get your actual uh put your actual weapon in it so you don't have to be, name the manufacturer was it was it a, a prominent manufacturer or was it perhaps somebody else who's just starting out I, it was probably probably a startup of of sense um i don't remember the name it wasn't mm-hmm. one of the big names that i could have remembered so but I have seen some bigger name ones that their craftsmanship, I, you know, not to their own horn, but it's not nearly as close. Like the edges are just still sharp and they weren't polished properly properly. And <clears throat> that's what digs into you. That's where it touches your body. So that's where a lot of the detail comes in. Is that one of those things that as production increases, sometimes the quality drops off? It could for some. That's something we've never let slide, and that's, I think, why we got a little stuck when it came to the bump we saw in 2020 was because we weren't going to sacrifice you quality. for production. Yeah. And, um, but we let the we let the customers know before they ordered it that, you know, this is the first time we're able to hit our three business days, and we're, gonna, we're not going to sacrifice our quality just to ship it out faster because it still yeah. goes through all the processes all the quality control before it leaves the building and everything else. So can you go into some of that? Yeah. Well, so, <clears throat> whatever you're comfortable with. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean, when it comes to QC, uh, our QC, our team and quality control, it's just basically they have a philosophy is, is this a holster that you would want? Cause like, just like you got to think of yeah. everything is you're going to be carrying. And, um, you know, if you're making a holster for yourself as a craftsman or a craftsperson now, cause we're no longer just all men on the floor, but, um, the, uh, you know, if you got a mark on yours or an edge that's just not sharp enough, you're not gonna, you're not gonna. Yeah, if that that spot's digging into. Yeah, you so you know they they go through each one one by one. Then it's just they they feel all the edges and make sure they're uh they're everything's buffed proper properly and there's no sharp edges and that's just part of 
there's multiple steps. There's a, a like a, a department that we are cut sand polish team that does all the actual craftsmen and there's a separate QC team. So um, the uh, it's kind of like a check and balance to the system to make sure they're done right and they get kicked back all the time if, if it's not up to yeah. the standards and the craftsman has to fix it. So, so th- there's several different checks that come into that correct. before that whole through is even shipped out. Oh, yeah, correct, yeah. If I can give you a compliment, when you when you when you walked up, your presence, right? You clothes you got on, you trim, hair's neat, stashes all trimmed up. <laughs> you could tell that that's a, this is a compliment. I'm not making fun of you, yeah. at least. I'm Thank just you. This. Like first impression is that you're a meticulous person. Yeah. So obviously, it carries over in everything you do. Which I guess, if you're in the manufacturing business, like anybody listen to this. It's it's pretty obvious this guy's squared away. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, so. I I had a mentor a while back that um, used a a, um, a, a a phrase or slogan. I'm going to say, and it said, "Be the they." And what he meant by it was, everything you do, make all your customers and competition ask, "How do they do that? How are they making them so well? How are they shipping them out so fast? How are they doing their customer service so perfect?" And everything you do, just Make everybody question, how are they doing that? Because you just have to do it, you know, better than everybody else. Because if not, you'll get beat out. So everything we do, we just try to do to, uh, to a level that makes people question, how are they doing that? So yeah, congratulations. Yeah, thanks. So how do you take care of a holster throughout its lifetime? Um, I mean, these these are pretty resilient. There's not a lot to it. Um, You'll find that if you conceal carry, uh, you'll get uh, kind of static and dust built up in your holster a little bit. Um, just a damp rag and wipe your holster down. That's all you really have to do to, to maintain it. All of our uh, hardware on there is stainless steel, um, so it's uh, not corrosive. It won't rust. Um, but other than that, that's the thermoplastic. Just it holds up. It's a good product, and uh, yeah, you can. I mean, it is a thermoplastic, and it is. Um, it does get adjusted by heat. Uh, but it takes high heat. Um, but we've had a few customers who left it like on their dash in Arizona, the holster itself, not gun visible, but, and it didn't manipulate it just ever so slightly. It didn't fit. Um, but you know, we warranty everything we do. And although that was their fault, we always try to wow the customer and, you know, we'll take care of them. But yeah, other than avoiding really high, high heats, uh, it's not a lot to it. So, you know, you talk about in the waistband holsters. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, I'm wearing my shirt untucked, mm-hmm. right? And that allows me to easily conceal my conceal carry. But if I'm going somewhere and I'm fancy dressed sure. up and my shirt's tucked in, I find it hard to... I honestly don't know how to conceal so, that way. Yeah, so all of our inside the waistband holsters uh, currently uh, have the ability to tuck your shirt in with it. And how that works is there's um, a gap or a space behind the clip that's on the front of the holster that fixed to your belt. And your uh, shirt tucks in between that. And then you just kind of blast your shirt a little bit of it to make some room. And uh, you'll see a little black clip on hopefully a black belt. That's what I'd recommend if you're going to be carrying with the shirt tucked in. And most people won't recognize it. And then when you go to draw, you just rip your shirt up and, and it, it comes out. It comes out relatively quickly and easy. So Nice. I, I've concealed a few times with it a lot of people who uh, carry at church love our holsters for that reason because they can conceal them in a tucked in dress shirt or something like that so that's most time i run into where i can't conceal with my is at church so Mm -hmm. yeah it's kind of funny you mentioned 
people carrying guns at church. You know, but there's been there's been enough unfortunate, you know, crazies Suckles. that have gone and mm-hmm. shot up churches. Mm-hmm. And uh, I it can get conversation with some of the folks that I feel have a little bit of a maybe an irrational fear of it. You know, that, oh my God, why do you need guns? Uh, like, you go to church? Yeah. It's like, you're around them all the time. You just mm-hmm. don't know. You just don't know it. You shop at Publix? You, <laughs> there is. There's, there's a guy in there with a gun. I'm telling I, you, I, all the time. Walmart, 30 of them, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. there's a, a pastor I knew who they recently um, kind of getting a security team in, of sorts sure. at, their, at their church around and they um, gathered people who were interested and they asked, uh, you know, who was interested and they said, who already is carrying? And he said, there was only two people that didn't raise their <laughs> hand. And, and uh, so it, it's, that's the thing. A lot of people were like, oh, there's guns everywhere. Like there is guns everywhere. And yeah. it's a good thing because, you know, it's, you don't know it because it's the, it's the, the honest guy with the concealed carry gun somewhere, you know, behind you at the checkout counter or whatever that you want there if someone comes through the front door or something yeah no it's it's you know when the when that guy steps up and stops the guy that was bent on mayhem there's a blurb about you know hero hero shoots potential assailant outside a movie theater Mm -hmm. right and they mentioned that the potential assailant was you know carrying two pistols three rifles and tear gas. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> what? that wasn't just a casual guy, right? He was going into yeah, and, and it takes you. you guy gets a paragraph on page three, but unfortunately, when he's successful, you know, it's it's in the news cycle for six yep. weeks. And and news cycle, and that just feeds the whole we have to take guns away movement, and it's so terrible. So, something yeah. I wanted to point out. We've talked about it. When it, people look at a law like constitutional carry or permitless mm-hmm. carry, and they say, "Well, oh, now anybody can carry a gun." Well, that's not true, okay? It still states in that law that if you were not otherwise legally allowed to do so, mm-hmm. then you still can't, like, if you get caught with a gun in your waist, man, and you're a felon, you're you're still getting charged yeah. for concealing a gun as a felon. It doesn't matter. Well, I, I got so many mixed feelings on that because, like, I go back to shall not be infringed and shall not be infringed. Please don't nuke me on this. Mm-hmm. And a guy who's done his time and comes out, Cause going here's here's what kind of gets me is, if you're a thug, you're a thug. You don't care. Mm-hmm. So why why tack on to a guy who whatever he's done his time right? Because you have this recidivism, and part of it's because you know I mean well part of it's because dirt bags are just dirt bags. But for the guys that maybe whatever man they had the conversion in the jailhouse, and they're like I am never doing this again. Yet we still penalize those characters. So I, I kind of go back to the whole idea. Like, I feel strongly both ways. Like, I'm like, that guy's a felon. He, his, when does his sentence really end? His incarceration ends after a certain period of time. And that's just one of those things. But from a from a practical standpoint, I kind of wonder, like, are we... None of you guys have to answer or agree with this, by the way. I'm just floating in one of those things out there. Like, you're not stopping the ones that don't give a damn. Yeah. So why are we like punishing never, the ones that I never will? I mean, that's no the argument, agree. too, with the constitutional carry. Everyone's so upset about it that are not proponents of it. It's like you're just allowing a little more of the segment who are law-abiding citizens to be part of that pool of protection. Because the criminals before that, they don't care if it's constitutional carry or not. They're going to carry no matter what. Right. And, uh, you know, there might be the average person that just doesn't want to go down and do the concealed carry permit or class, but they are 
clearly comfortable. They fired weapons many times. They would like to carry. It's just it's one more thing, and that's a little little I guess uh, infringement but, that but, would prevent one more law-abiding citizen to carry. Yeah. I've also heard that. Well, you don't need a class now. Like, dude, I took the class. The class is not. A class. <laughs> it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've I've heard that. Bang! Okay, I, good I, enough. I, I took the class, and you, the target we shot at at like ten feet was absolutely ginormous. Yeah, at, at ten feet, and their mm. people are still having trouble hitting it. And they're like, "All right, great, you passed. You and got ten they, of your thirty rounds in there." And I'm like, yeah. "The one I took, you had to discharge a firearm one time, one time toward the target." Well, this is yeah. this was in this was in uh, Kentucky. You did have to shoot like twenty rounds or something like that, but you only had to hit five or six of them inside of the silhouette mm-hmm. not even in the bulls i just inside of the silhouette uh, and it was at a distance of like 10 feet they stood us in line and just filed us all through and i was watching and i'm telling you there were quite a few people that missed that man-sized target at 10 feet and yeah like, mm. i mean <laughs> the only like, thing the class <laughs> for me taking in kentucky the only thing it was good for was a better understanding of the law uh, like a stand your ground type that. law yeah other than that like uh, the like the practical portion of it was was fairly useless. Yeah, the, the practical, yeah, was worthless. But you're right. You can, <laughs> That's almost, a lot of people don't know. Oh, I, I, I can't carry in a courthouse, but they will tell you that. In right. Class, so that part makes sense. But at, you know, courthouse, bar, post office. Where else can you carry? I know I should know, but schools, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the, trying to federal federal yep. buildings. That's where the that's where the post office gets you. Is yeah. it being a, yeah. a federal building? Um, but. Yeah, I mean, there's really not a lot. If you're concealed carrying in a post office and you just don't say nothing, what does it matter? Is that like if a tree falls in the woods? Yeah. (laughs) I wonder about that. Like, you're not supposed to have a firearm school property, but you watch that drive through and you watch all the pickup trucks rolling through. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. If if that same bad guy that was going to roll in the movie theater was rolling into that school, there'd be an awful lot of violators make themselves known in our area. I feel bad for whoever rolls through our kids' school. (laughs) Right. See, I know, I know many of the dads there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's like telling a bunch of kids at a public school that you can't smoke and drink at a school. They're like, only if you get caught <laughs> or dip. <laughs> Anybody that's gone to a public school knows it happens on campus. You just don't get caught. Yeah, yeah. Don't do anything stupid, and the police know. Yeah, you know they just. I mean, it's one of those things. If you do something else that's stupid, they're like, let me see your car. Uh oh, now you're really in trouble. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, I mean. I, you really can't conceal carry the only places you, I mean, it's legal to conceal carry in certain places, illegal in others, and definitely going to be illegal if you have to go through an area where you could get caught. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I hundred percent believe that in the United States as a whole, if, if Florida or your state recognizes it, I think all states should have to recognize it. I feel like if you live in California, you have a choice to leave California and I get California make their own laws, but I feel like as a U.S. citizen, I, like there was a lady recently um, made national news and uh, she was um, I think a single mother. She's on the New Jersey Turnpike or something. And uh, um, she lived just across state lines or something like that. And uh, I think she had an abusive husband and she when her state. I forget which side of the border she was on there, but got her weapon legally. It was in her glove box. She got pulled over for speeding. And uh, they charged her with something that gave her like 20 years. And yeah. it was it was only because of the national attention it got that she got out. If it wasn't for that, she'd probably still be in there. 
Not years um, ago, there was a guy coming from Maine into the Carolinas. and he, no reason for that. He was just tired. He pulled over in New Jersey, mm-hmm. slept in his truck. Like pulled over in a parking lot, slept in his truck. Officers came. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just sleeping. I'm going from Maine to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things, can we search your vehicle? He was thinking in terms of drugs and stuff. Like I said, yeah, he's got rifles and shotguns in there. And they put that guy under the prison. Yeah. And the NRA was, I don't, I don't know what the ultimate outcome is years ago, but the NRA was very much trying to appeal that because he they convicted him i know and it was forever like, yeah. it was like it's not a it was slap like on the wrist. this 20 some odd year old guy wasn't going to see daylight until he was in his 70s yeah that's that, that's because he fell no, asleep in his car no reason for that now i want to clarify what i'm talking about uh <clears throat> saying it's only illegal in the place where you're going to get caught mm-hmm. i got caught concealed carrying in disney springs uh it's not technically illegal to carry a firearm into Disney, but it's against the rules. Yes, the Disney sets. And they can there. ask you to leave. Yeah. What fair. they did, it's private. Yeah, no, it's it's fair, right? So yeah. at the time, though, uh, and I, I take credit for this. I don't know if it was really my fault or not, but Disney Springs now has like you have to go through metal detector. Used, and all the yeah, you used to be able to just walk in anywhere, and that's how I got in there. Over. Yeah, um, but and I got caught by a sniffer dog. Hmm. Oh wow! I watched the first dog as I walked past it. Uh, I saw the dog sense me, but the handler wasn't paying attention, so I just kept on going. And I made it through probably half the day before I had another handler come up to me, and he comes up, puts his hand on my shoulder. He says, hey, I said, what can I do for you? He said, do you have a firearm? And I said, yes, I have a legally concealed firearm. And I said, I can get my concealed weapons license out for you. And I, I said, it's in my pocket. Can I get it for you? He said, sure. I pulled it out, showed it to him. He said, okay, can you step over to the side? Sure. We step to the side. Uh, Orange County Sheriff's Office comes up. They're talking to me. The head of security finally makes his way over there. We talk about it. He's like, oh, it's against the rules. I said, I didn't see any signs. He's like, oh, it's on our website. I said, well, you cannot, definitely cannot expect me to read your website. <laughs> yeah. <after> your <laughs> yeah. Um, he's like, well, I asked for signs, but they haven't gotten We don't have them yet. Blah, blah, blah. It all ended up uh, Orange County checked to make sure I didn't have any warrants. Mm-hmm. Said, you're good to go. Go put it in your car and you can come back. Yeah, see, that's that's the thing that annoys me the most because it when maybe not when, but there's so many um, leaks in that property. It's yeah. not you're not like going in through one centralized area. You can come in from multiple areas uh, if you wanted to. Disney, think, Disney's not going to protect you. No, I think part of that's litigation defense, litigation insurance. Mm-hmm. Like what we have, we have a no firearms policy, and we have these processes in check. So that way when the whack job that circumvents all that finally goes in there and does a lot of damage, they can have a defensible position. That yeah, I feel like you should be able to people. sue Disney then for not properly securing our safety. Because well, if I had a yeah. weapon, I'd have an opportunity. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's already been spoken about because I stepped away to take a pee, but I've been to Disney before. And this is one of the main reasons, like you said, there's so many points where you can leak in from there. But I've sat in the last time I went to Disney... And I was trying to be extremely vigilant about it because I was like, man, I really would love to carry a gun in here mm-hmm. just for my own safety. Especially Disney Springs. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> but you watch, like, they have metal detectors. And then there's certain people that, like, if the line gets backed up, they start shuffling people past the metal detector. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, dude, I've walked He could through. be carrying, I could be carrying. Like, if, yeah. if he got shuffled past the metal detector and he has a gun and I don't have one. Mm-hmm. And he decides to shoot the place up. Well, I, I, I've, I'm I've gone vulnerable through, at that I point. Know. I don't like that. I've gone yeah, through places either. where they have metal detectors. And they're like, all right, take everything out of your pockets that's metal and hold it over your head. Uh-huh. 
you walk through the metal detector goes off and they're like okay yeah, and I'm like, how do you know I just didn't uh-huh. like not take something? You put out of my the pocket. whammy on them, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, or you walk through and they're like, hey, what do you have on you that's metal? You're like, my belt buckle, and they're like, okay, show me your belt buckle. They're not like, hey, show me your back because I could have a gun in behind me. Well, it, yeah. it doesn't matter. I walk every single person that walks that metal detector, it goes off. Your cell phone, your keys, it's beep beep, and they're like, oh, I can it's, see what's in their hand that's making it go. Yeah, it's yeah, a it's a vigilance. Yeah. I don't sense. know. One of the Disney's competitors one day, one time, my wife and I were going in there and. I was armed, and you know they checked the bags, and my wife had a pocket knife. I'm like, oh, you can't have a pocket knife in here, and you know it's like a mile and a half back to the car or whatever. And I'm like, really? Oh yeah, can't have any, you know, no, pocket knife, no bueno. Okay, so you know, walk back to the bathroom, drop the pocket knife in my pocket, mm-hmm. and I walk up, I check her bag again. <laughs> yeah, wandered in. We got you know twenty yards past the counter. Like, <laughs> it's like, Speaking of, what are I, we doing here i found a nice right? case knife stashed at disney springs when i was walking back to my car that night i was at the uh citrus bowl or camping world stadium or whatever it is now and uh same thing i get up there i'm like oh, crack up my knife in my pocket and uh so i just hit it in the bush and got it when i came out like yeah. <laughs> it's still there I've, just, I've donated many of them to the airport uh, though yeah, interestingly I, I have flown hmm, I have flown out of Orlando International, like, and put them in the dish, not even thinking about it, right? Because the reason mm-hmm. I know that I was like, wait, I got that through Orlando. It's because like coming back through Paducah, <laughs> like, oh, pocket knife. <laughs> <laughs> but I, ah, oh, here you go. <laughs> like, you know, there's always the well, you can call somebody to come get it. I'm like, yeah. In, enjoy <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. i'm sure that's going in the bin right i had him i had him hit me up at tropicana stadium for this really? flashlight yeah yeah he's like you can't have that i was like a flashlight he's like that's a flashlight i was like yeah <laughs> okay all right, let me ask he goes on that i'm like dude it's so a like, flashlight d- 007 with your one bullet flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, i think he thought he was a laser pointer of it yeah no i think what he saw was the clip on the outside yeah. of my pocket like, because it has a pocket uh, clip, uh, like a pocket knife. Like how? I mean, I'm a knife can be, but like most, any man worth his salt carries a pocket knife, right? It's like everywhere. Why can't I just take a pocket knife with me to Disney? Uh, I'd I'd rather get in a gunfight than a knife fight. Right. Well, the worst part. Yeah. Is, no, you can go, I mean, you can I'm go not sit at a restaurant. And you have a six inch steak knife. You could just take if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, yeah, like because you couldn't stab a guy to death with the fork or the steak knife that you can get it. You know. Right. Yeah. It's I, it's just you know I know we're all preaching the choir. Mm-hmm. It's the absurdity of the idea that you can protect yourself against the guy who really wants to damage you or create mayhem. Yeah. I feel weird walking around the yeah. house without a pocket knife. <laughs> so I'll even go one step further, and, and ah, this is always dicey. When you end up with situations where that guy is just the 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 sick people that are so angry that they're they they know that they're probably going to die, mm-hmm. and they go into a school and they start shooting, you know, and it's terrible, it's a tragedy, and I'm not diminishing that at all. There's sometimes a part of me that it's like. You know, as sick as that was, you might actually be glad that the guy went in with a rifle because he was hell bent on killing as many people as he could. 
And if he couldn't have a rifle, he might have figured out how to use a canister of ball bearings and, and, and explosives. Right? right. And then been patient and just, you know, detonated it in the in a school lobby, you know, when all the kids are out. In the, it's terrible. You know, I'm not trying to use it as justification, but, again, the whole, man, sick people. I mean, if I thought about it, you know, and I have no intention at all, right? And I just wonder, but you, you can't, you just can't stop sick people. Yeah. Or the, whatever, the guy that took the truck through the parade, you know, or wherever it was up in Michigan or somewhere. I can't remember. It's been a couple of years, but same thing. Like The Boston Marathon guy. Oh, yeah. Pressure cooker. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's sad. Mm-hmm. You can't eliminate tragedy. I had that guy in Australia lock a whole bunch of people in church and incinerate them instead. Oh. Terrible. Well, mm, okay. Terrible way to go. Maybe On a lighter some, note, let's, yeah. yeah, uplift this. <laughs> yeah, we you a quality belt mm-hmm. is something that you don't, in my opinion, you don't realize you need until you put one on. Yes, and I noticed you guys sell some belts. Sure, yeah. So when it comes to um, carrying a, a gun belt, is the generic phrases for it is a uh, it's basically a, a gun a belt that is. Um, designed to be stiffer than a regular belt it's either reinforced in one form or fashion through either multiple layers of nylon stitch to create that um, rigidness um, or it's a very sturdy uh, leather belt um, that is thick enough to help uh, reduce the sag and by the sag it's just that like downward drag of the weight of your weapon um, a nice quality gun belt that's uh, rigid enough. It helps disperse the weight of the firearm around your whole body. So it makes that weapon feel lighter overall. Same reason if you have like a, a heavy um, bag in your hand versus two straps on your shoulder, it just disperses. Right. It's a lot, same concept. Um, so all of our belts are designed that way. Our um, nylon belts that we have are kind of, people like to say it's a more tactical version. Um, but uh, I, I prefer them over the leather belts. I'm gonna, I'll tell you right now. I, I noticed you guys are rocking the Cobra buckle. Mm-hmm. When you got to go, there is not a better belt clasp in the world than the Cobra buckle. It does come off relatively <laughs> yeah. quickly, but holds it when you need to for sure. Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the Cobra one's a popular model. Um, we uh, Obviously, the Cobra brand, it's uh, Australopin's uh, buckle, which is used throughout multiple um different demographics from um, rock climbers as well to you know, military and police yeah, and stuff like that. It's just, it's, it's a strong buckle. Yeah. It's, cool. it's not a belt uh, that I don't think with the Cobra buckle, the way it goes on and off, it's not really one you take on and off every day. The buckle itself. Well, the, the belt, like, cause it doesn't, I have a belt with a Cobra buckle on it. It doesn't, at least the one I have doesn't fit through an average belt loop. Yep. So that's exactly what our um, step-down design in the Cobra uh, buckle we have. So Cobra has a wide variety of buckles they sell, right. or Australopin does, um, all different sizes and shapes and whatever. And uh, um, we worked with Australopin and um, came up with a, a blended version of it where we took the uh, smaller one-inch female side of it and still had the one-and-a-half-inch male side. Um and it allows you to fish the Cobra buckle through standard belt loops. Uh, oh, nice. Prior to that, you couldn't. You had to literally undo that buckle. Unvelcro it, take it all off. Yeah, of that's, yeah. that's a pain. Yeah, so uh, this is just a better version of it. And that's kind of what we did. I've always done in all our products is we just find the flaws and how can we fix it and make it better. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I mean, I'm speaking from a point from a, a place of wearing a rigger's belt uh, when I was in the army with a cobra buckle on mm-hmm. it. And that was not one like I'm wearing that pair of pants for probably two to three days <laughs> if yeah. I didn't get nasty at work, you know? Yeah. And then I would swap it out for the next pair of pants. Mm-hmm. But those that that belt in the belt buckle itself, by far the most. I really like that that style of belt buckle. Yeah. Um, but and they're super sturdy. I mean, they they when they were when they are together, that's it. They're not. Yeah, they're not coming apart. But when you want them to come apart, mm-hmm. like that. Um, and I've noticed from carrying with a crappy belt versus carrying with a good belt, getting the gun out of the holster is <laughs> ten times easier because mm-hmm. you don't. If you're carrying with like a flimsy belt and you try to draw, it, your pant your belt wants to give when you pull on it. Comes with versus it, yeah. yeah, versus a stiff belt. The gun that it maintains the holster in place the gun snaps out and it's a lot easier to get the gun drawn which is not something you want to have to worry about if you had to draw it in a situation where right. you need your gun yeah yep mm. well i'm taking notes yeah so <laughs> so what what's the point in the inner gun belt so the inner, inner gun belt was a product we added um just by demand so um a lot of local law enforcement officers uh use our products and they uh with their duty belts on the inside of them are velcro and they're like can you make me one and we're like sure and then someone else asks can you make me one and we're like all right fine and then we're like enough people are asking for them let's just put them on the site it makes it easier because we're making them pretty much as you know a lot we supply a lot of stuff for mount dora police department and lake county sheriff and stuff like that and once we made one then we two and three and so i was gonna say i knew that like i still have one myself from like when I was in the academy, mm-hmm. I had you know you have your inner belt and then your duty belt and you have your keepers that go yep. around your yeah. So this is just inner the belt. inner belt that um, a lot of the uh, guys that were at Mount Dora were at telling us that the one that they were carrying was just too flimsy and they liked the fact that ours was uh, um, had some stiffness to it and it yeah. just secured and didn't bounce around as much with their duty belt on the outside. We don't currently sell outer duty belts or the keepers anything like that that's just solely an inner belt that you can add to your carry rig if uh, you're carrying a duty belt like that how does that come to fruition that you start working with the the local guys is it that they were using your stuff personally or because they're able to have some flexibility in what they carry and Um, it spreads through rumor uh it's mostly well concealed carry is what we do we do have outside the waistband but none of them are uh level two or level three holsters that are required for on uh, duty type uh, carry um, so they would use them when they're off duty or in a position where they can concealed carry and they're just fans of our products and what else can you guys offer? So that's kind of how we met up with some of them. So cool. we also do some local charity stuff with the Mount Dora police department and things, uh, over the years where, uh, they got to know us a little better as well. I'm just, I think this it goes back to the story of started out borrowing a sewing machine mm-hmm. and it sounds like a lot of your business has just been built from wow this really works mm-hmm. i tell him he tells another guy another guy and next thing you know yep that's awesome man. that's like that's the american story right there yeah well, that's, thank you that's what happens when you're you know uh, you treat your customers right even though they did the wrong thing and melted their holster on the <laughs> dashboard yeah and then because the first thing that happens is like yeah dude I, I love this holster dude would you believe that i melted this thing and they still replaced it yeah, like it yeah. Didn't fit. yeah. Well, I, I just I don't understand. I mean, customer service is huge. I came from the customer service industry prior to starting uh, this business, and um, we've just always incorporated all of it. I, just, I never understood it. I saw some articles. Um, I think it was Zappos, the shoe online shoe company that Amazon acquired a while back, a while back, 
I I read somewhere that they had somebody like spill barbecue grease or something on their on their shoe that they just bought, and they contact a mask if there's any way they can clean it or something like that. And Zappos went so far as not only mailing them another shoe without them really asking, also sent them like instructional videos on gas, um, like grease trap, uh, how to like (laughs) properly secure and stuff like that. So it's just one of those things. It's like, I always thought like every opportunity you can to wow the customer do so. Um, we did that a couple of times. A customer a while back um, reached out for us, and I'm not saying all our customers go let their dogs chew on their holsters, but his dog got a hold of his holster and chewed it up, and uh, so we replaced it and we sent him a dog chew toy with it, and he just got a kick out of it. That was the coolest thing ever. So like, we're like, let him chew on this and not your holster, right? <laughs> so just little things like that we can do to you know. Well, it's a good thing it wasn't his Glock. <laughs> right. <laughs> Contact Glock for that one. Yeah. Uh, you have a lot of do- uh, something really tight. You guys have maybe heard me talk about the single stage lead loader shotgun presses, you know, for Raylon 12, 20 gauge shells, whatnot. And, you know, I started working on one of those when I was six. It was bong to my dad. So I'm 52 now, and it's probably two, three years ago. So that press was all, of, you know, 45 years old. Mm. And I had the. There's a, there's a plastic piece you slide back, slide one way, drops powder inside the other, drops shot, shot in. And it had been used so much that enough of the plastic had worn away that BBs were starting to get in between it and cause it a problem. And, and I just wrote him a nice letter because I, I didn't know. I just wrote him a list and I said, hey, I got this shotgun press that my dad uh, bought. I've been using it for this long. I, I need a new slide. Mm-hmm. You know, how do I get one? Because for whatever reason, I couldn't find it on their website or something like that. And I didn't hear anything back. And all of a sudden, one day, boom, a whole new blue loader. <laughs> they didn't just replace the slide. They sent me a whole new one, man. It yeah. was like, my man. Well, I, <laughs> I just, I think so many people in business are, they, yes, you have to make money in businesses, survive and continue, but not at the expense of your customer's experience. I mean, you have to treat them as you treat anybody else. Like, you know, we, we have a philosophy when we're talking in the room at work. We always have, uh, and I read this in an article on it, or an audio book or something. I can't remember where I heard it from, but uh, I didn't steal this one. But you have an empty chair, and that empty chair in the room is as if your customer is sitting there. So as you're talking about what you're going to do or whatever, do it as if your customer is there. Like you're not going to badmouth them if they're in the room. You sh- you know you shouldn't. Uh, you know you just got to have that philosophy of just I guess treat others like you want to be treated, and uh, that's kind of how we always did things. So yeah. Yeah, and you know, I don't know. The, the guys that lead and know me a thing, right? I was hoping to just get that part. Not a paid for it. I didn't even mm-hmm. know about it. Yeah. But when that when that whole new Lee letter showed up, here I am telling that story. Yeah. I'll tell it to everybody I can. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, forty cus- years customer for life. Here yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the last one I'll ever own because I'm already fifty two, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I had no further former education before starting this company. It was all. I mean, I'm like an audio book attic i'll listen to stories and success stories and try to learn from them and stuff like that and i heard once that i think disney world um not that we should mimic a lot of stuff they're doing today but disney world uh um uh they had a philosophy on um percentage of people that left their park not happy and what it came down to is they had i'm gonna make these numbers up but you like a million people come through the doors in a day and you had uh, five people upset. Was that a successful day? And everyone's like, yeah, it's totally successful. And they're like, well, they did the math. They say on average, like every five person, five people will tell seven people about their bad experience. And then those seven people will tell three more. And those three, and they did the math. And it ends up at the end of the day being like 
hundreds of people heard about how bad it was at Disney World versus the masses that had a great time might tell one or two, if any. And that's before social media when everyone, they want to see everybody at Disney World and they tell everybody how great it was and look at me. But, um, and that was their philosophy is you got to make sure everyone's happy. And, yeah. uh, and um, you can take a lot from that. I think like, you know, you have customers that are just, they're a pain sometimes, but you know, they're human. You gotta, you know, if they're not trying to fraudulently steal from the company or something, you know, we were, we're happy to make them happy. That's, that's how we kind of do business there. So, yeah. Yep. No, it, it, with the current shenanigans at Disney, I don't, it seems like a departure from their, um, it does seem like a bit of a departure because they spend so much time getting inside your head mm-hmm. in, in, in a, in a non-manipulative way. It's to, to provide better customer service from yeah. knowing what time, if you tell them what time you arrived, they can, they can nail down where you're parked. Mm-hmm. Right. And why, when you get on that tram, why they tell you that they're leaving goofy mm-hmm. 23 through 25, right. 13 times. It just sinks into your head. Yeah. You know, they have guys running around, literally driving around the parking lot looking for nothing but mm-hmm. people that left their lights on. Yeah. Right? And I don't know. It's amazing. And then, the, the, as much as, you know, there's some things that I disagree with now, you really do have to admire that company for mm-hmm. what they're trying to do in, in delivering that, that product, perfect yeah. day to a kid. Yeah. Until they got beards on Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, you guys have any closing thoughts? Mike, you want to impart some knowledge on us before we let you out the door? Uh, there, there's no perfect way of doing something. You just got to keep trying, you know, like uh, well, I heard once that entrepreneurship is uh, skydiving out a parachute and figuring out how to make one before you hit the pavement. <laughs> and uh, and that's the truth. Like, you know, even you look at these massive companies, you look at, you know, Amazon, all these companies, they're, they just scale it better than we have so far. Like, I mean, there's no secret sauce. You just got to get up and, solve a problem so and that's all we try to do every day anybody else what's your current lead time right now oh man we've been digging out of this hole um we are down to i think right about six business days seven business days as of today but um that's still light speed today man. yeah give us a week we'll be back to our three we've been we've been coming out of it like i said we've we we learned a lot i, I know it's been two and a half years since 2020 rocked our ship with our lead times um, but, uh, yeah, we're, we, we've learned from it. It's like anything else, you know, you learn from your mistakes, I guess. I wouldn't really call it a mistake, but it just, we weren't as prepared for the volume as we thought we were. And, um, but we're, we're, we're getting there and, but yeah, we're, we're back down to like six, six business days right now. So, so if you ordered your holster from the link in the podcast description Monday, when this comes out bar USPS, just completely screwing it up, you could have it by the uh, beginning of the next week yeah i'd say uh well it was it'll leave our facility so just yeah like i said bar usps just completely yeah yeah screwing it up it'll, yeah it'll, <laughs> it's a very possible <laughs> yeah. Yeah. very real possibility if you yeah if you order tonight it'll, it'll i mean it's it, it would leave if you're lucky next friday if, monday only yeah. monday but yeah. yeah earlier i made a joke maybe about sooner stopping by for a custom fitting and and, and, and I, I didn't mean to it was somewhat said in jest, but can can people come sure. to your store and buy? They can. Say, retail? Um, well, so we don't have a retail store um, in our office in our front lobby. Uh, we have one of each of our products, and we do have a blue gun in it, so you can um, actually you know draw if you wanted to and um, safely because uh, they are close enough to do that with it. But 
um, yeah, you can, you can you can try on all the holsters and see which one fits you. Now it's for kind of a generic mid-sized gun. Um, it's not going to because every gun holster is gun specific. Um, so just for a sample sake, we have one of all of our holsters in uh, like a I think it's a Glock 48 maybe. I gotta look. I might have updated it maybe 365, but um, in the lobby that you can try and see kind of which one and at least it'll steer you in a direction. And then from there you would place your order and you can place your order on site. Um, it goes into queue, it makes it, and then if you're local, you can come back and pick it up, save on shipping, or you can uh, just have it shipped to your house. Thank you. Yep. All right, Mike, we'll link your stuff down in the podcast description so that nobody actually has to go search for vetterholsters.com. Thank you. Appreciate that. And you better grab it there. Awesome. And carry on. Yeah, thanks. It's been fun. (laughs) I think that's going to be the podcast episode title. Carry Carry on. on. Great one. Yeah. Yep. All right, we'll catch you guys next week. Mike, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. Yep.